Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to a new episode of Wizards After Dark and uh, a, a special one today. I'll say a super special one because, uh, you know, normally I have on my colleagues and other people. I, I guess sometimes it'll be other people around the league who aren't necessarily at the athletic and I'll have them on. And today, this is the first episode, at least of this season, in which I'm having on the competition. Got I was I was like, am I going to be introduced as your like mortal enemy here? Yeah, well, that's what you are. So uh, I'm having Ava Wallace from the Washington Post is on the Skype line. Mortal enemy of all Fred Katz's of the world. Yeah, I I feel like uh, what people who aren't beat writers don't understand and how could they is it's this really, really weird office dynamic where you're when you're a beat writer your colleagues are the people you never see and your competition is basically your, the equivalent of your workplace colleague who you see every day. Well, not now because the world is messed up, but in general and like, you know, I'm sitting next to you or sitting next to Candace or sitting next to Chase Hughes at every game. And, uh, and like those people are technically your competition but are in practice, like feel like your colleagues. It's a, it's a very weird thing. Like I can't really think of other jobs outside of this where that's the case. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, there are, there's no one else who I'm in a blood feud with who I talk to as free <laughs> as you. So I, I also, I'm with you on that. I can't, I can't really think of anything. Yeah. For the first like three years that I know for the first, yeah. For the first three years I was at the post, I covered, Virginia and Virginia Tech and just spent like so much time in Charlottesville and and Blacksburg, Virginia and never saw my actual Washington Post colleagues. And that was very weird because like the people I talked to every day were like a, a horde of middle aged white men in southern Virginia. It was, it was great. It was a fun time. Yeah. I mean, that makes that makes perfect sense. That's the same mm-hmm. thing. Like when I was when I was a newspaper in Oklahoma, it was like. The paper was in Norman, which is 25 minutes south of Oklahoma City. I lived in Oklahoma City. I covered the Thunder. I went to Thunder stuff. I saw Brett Dawson. I saw Eric Horn. I saw Royce Young. I saw the rest of like the Thunder media core. And those were the people who I saw. And once a month, I went into the office to fill out an expense check. And that was it. Mm. And that was when I saw people. And that was it. Nor- I forgot that that paper is in Norman. It's just, it's not just named after a guy named Norman. If I was on the Norman transcript, sounds like some guy named Norman, like Norman Powell started a newspaper. Do you have a wizard's question for me, Fred? We're not talking about the wizards. (laughs) This is, this is a wizard's afternoon podcast. That's about everything but the wizards. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you. Uh, Are they good or are they not good? They, they won, they won seven out of eight. And uh, and they were looking like they were good. And now we're recording this one at around one o'clock. 
on Monday the 15th. Uh, I think we'll get this up before the Bucks game tonight. Uh, but if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning or something because you check it on your way to work, there's a reason we're not talking about the Bucks to the second Bucks game. We're recording it before then. Um, yeah, they've lost five out of six. Maybe by the time you listen to this, five out of seven or maybe six out of seven. Uh, are, are they are they good? Are they not good? Are they in between? Can you can you be a good team if you're this inconsistent? Uh, not if you're this inconsistent. Yeah, I think I think that's the answer right there. I don't I, I think you have to perform a little bit more consistently um, to be considered a quote unquote whatever definition that means um, to be a good team, it, which is which is the frustrating part, I think, uh, certainly a little bit for us people who objectively cover the team. Definitely, I think if you're a on the team or b actually root for the team, like knowing that the Wizards can play the way they sometimes can whether that's over their little West Coast trip there or watching Rua Hachimura do Rua, Rua. I sound like Charles Barkley just then. <laughs> Rui. <laughs> that's definitely how, if Charles Barkley has ever said Rui Hachimura's name, that's 100% that, how he pronounced it. There's um, there's like a like a 63% chance Charles Barkley doesn't know Rui Hachimura. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And if, you know, he, Rua Hachimura, I don't even know, whatever. That's my Charles Barkley impression. Um, It's really frustrating both encouraging and frustrating to watch a player like Rui shoot with such little hesitation, make his shots play super aggressively. Um, Super, probably a little bit frustrating to watch the wizards do that without Bradley Beal. And then also play the way they did against Philadelphia on Friday night. Like, so no, I I don't think you can be that good of a team um, when you waver that much. And when you have such chemistry issues um, this far into the season. So, you know, what's, you know, what's crazy. You mentioned the consistency thing and that's something they talk about a lot. And I was running through it the other day because all I do is think about the wizards. And I was, I was just kind of going through like, okay, how many guys on the roster do you know what you're getting out of? Like, yeah, every once in a while, a, a role player is going to have an off shooting night. That's not even what I mean. But just in terms of like how they're going to play, how they're going to perform perform in the non shooting areas, uh, how they're going to actually impact winning. What do you just like? Who do you put on the floor for however many minutes they're supposed to get? And you just you know what you're getting out of them. You They are reliable. You don't have to worry about them. And so few guys fit that category for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Beal obviously fits that category. Yeah, he has an off-shooting night every night. The dude has scored under 20 points twice all year. You, you know what you're getting out of him. Um, Lopez? Yeah, kind of Lopez, but Lopez is so matchup dependent that like sometimes he'll he'll do really well against a matchup that works against him. But like if you put him up there against a, a five who shoots threes, he's in trouble. You know, you have to strand from the paint. He's in trouble. There's some nights he'll, he'll look super off. Um, like but I, I think that's, I think Scott Brooks has been pretty judicious about using him for that. Re- like they use him on those specific matchups for that reason. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess that's what I mean, though. Like you yeah. can't oh, just you roll him out there for 20 minutes every night because different nights you're just going to get he's matchup dependent. And on different nights, you're going to get different production out of him. Like, I feel like Beal fits that description. I feel like Neto kind of fits that description. I was going to say Neto and Beal and like. 
maybe Garrison and that you know what he's going to do. Even if he doesn't make all the shots, you know exactly kind of how he's going to play and what he's going to do and where he's going to set up. But like, it's really slim pickings. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really, that's a really small number. Yeah. I mean, three guys. Well, let's, let's run through it. Let's just, let's run through this right now. Cause I actually, I, I think this is an interesting activity and, and we'll kind of, be good in showing how why the team overall is so inconsistent because what I mean Westbrook we're we're certain that's not the case with him mm-hmm. um Rui Rui is is weird because he's like he's so inconsistent in the way that he plays you know yeah like mm-hmm. some nights he looks like okay I am gonna take my threes and other nights he says no nah, I'm gonna get to my mid-range spots and and some nights he's kind of feisty guarding the ball and other nights he's a little more hands off it's uh and it's not like other teams forcing him into stuff it's just i don't know like you mention it he he even went uh you know as well as he played for three quarters in that bucks game the other night like he just kind of went absent in the fourth yeah and and that's the that's the funny thing about when the wizards always say Rui can guard one through five. It's like, yeah, he can, he can, Rui can do a lot of things. Like they're not wrong when they kind of tout him as this like all around super versatile player, but he, that's also not always a good thing that he doesn't like have his strengths that he sticks to. Cause Scott Brooks has also said this season, you know, something he always tells players, he always tells Russell Westbrook. I think this was one of your like leads in a story one time where it's like, do what you do well, well, do, you know, stick to what you know and stuff like that. And Rui's definitely still finding his niche. And it's, it feels sometimes obvious as to the things he should be really drilling down on and really getting good at. But um, then sometimes he just like, like you said, can absolutely show a completely different shade of his game. Um, and you're kind of like, where did that come from? Have you been working on that? Why don't you work on that more? Stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Bertans, I'm going to make the make shot, miss shot exception for him because his role is completely dependent on making and missing shots like yeah. that. That is what he is. And, and Bertans has been inconsistent. Denny's been inconsistent because he's a rookie and rookies are inconsistent. All three of the centers. You're right. It's kind of just Matthews. I'll throw in there. You kind of know what you're getting from him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's hovered around the same percentages all year and does the Garrison Matthews stuff. And then Neto and and Beal, which is such a weird group. If I yeah. if I told you I was categorizing Wizards players in a specific way and the three players were Beal and Neto and Garrison Matthews, you would never be able to guess what we were categorizing. Wait, wait, wait. What else do those? OK, other than the, the fact that they're Wizards, players, other than literally the category we're putting them in now, what else do those guys have in common? I, n- nothing. They're guards. That's it. Yeah. They're guards. Yeah. OK, sure. Yeah. You would think we were they're naming Wizards guards. Ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very weird thing, though. It's a it's a very weird thing. Can we talk about um, how you guys screwed me with the Alex Len availability the other night? Can you explain to me what happened with that? Yeah. So here's here's what happened. Well, I'll I'll use I statements. I'll speak for myself. What happened on Friday night was I arrived at the arena um, after Scott Brooks's availability, as I always do, because I'm lazy. And, and at 6 p.m., feeling great, doing fine. Um, at 6:15 p.m. I, I went into a full body uh, crisis because I had gotten my coronavirus vaccine earlier that day. And no one told me that, like, maybe seven hours later, you'll you'll just feel like you can't move your entire body. And 
will feel like every single muscle in your physical being is on fire. So that's what I was dealing with. So at the end of the game, after talking to, after waiting for Russell Westbrook, uh, my coronavirus vaccine addled brain complete like immediately shut off my computer sent my final quotes and was like I'm going to now slowly walk back to my car to go home so I don't actually die in this arena and listen if you don't get Alex Len on there before Russell Westbrook that wasn't happening for me on Friday I'm sorry <laughs> like who, we, we who requested who requested we talked to him did I request him who requested him no, I think I did. I think it was me. That's it was you. Saying. Yeah. Like, so I'm pretty sure I was like, oh, I could talk to Debbie. I could talk to Alex. But like Russell is always, when is Russell not the last player to talk to us over Zoom? We okay. Do all the players, then we wait an extra 30 minutes. Then Russell Westbrook talks to us. Wait, I'm jumping in with background. So the way, the way this works is after games, we have to send a text to the Wizards because the world is completely messed up and no person is allowed to be near any other person. All post-game availability is over Zoom. We don't see players anymore. We're not in person with anybody. If you go to the arena, you're all the way up top. Ava goes to home games. I don't go to home games. We get the same amount of access. That's the way the world is now. That's the way the league is now. It's the way it should be, considering all the lack of safety that would occur if we were all jammed into one room in a press conference. And so the way it works is we have to text the PR representative uh, and say which players that we would like to talk to in the post-game press conference. Ava throws out on the text thread, Alex Len. And then for some reason, Alex Alex Len does media availability from his living room at home, goes out of his way. I'm assuming that he left the arena. He didn't didn't go that out of his way. Like he did straight up leave. He was home. Once you're (laughs) home, it's over. I don't need to see your living room couch. I just don't need to invade your privacy to that degree. And the only reason the second time he's done that also. And Ava put in a late request for Alex Len. Basically an after the buzzer request for Alex Len. Alex Len gets on the Zoom. It was was 45 minutes after the buzzer for Alex Len. Ava... (laughs) Alex Len is nice enough to get on the Zoom from his home on his phone, fights through home internet issues, takes five minutes to have the patience. Nobody raises their hand on the Zoom to ask a question. I do it out of awkwardness. Ask him one question about the center rotation, and then Ava is nowhere to be found. So Yeah, well. I just, I got to tell you. And no one else is anywhere to be found either. He takes one question, says, all right, thanks. I say, thanks for the one-on-one. And then we're done. So you made Alex Len go on his phone from home for no reason. I I just think, I I think the real frustration here is you blew your one-on-one with Alex Len. That's what I'm, that's what I'm sensing is that you had one of the Washington Wizards three centers to yourself on Zoom, and you didn't ask him the hard-hitting questions. The starting center for the day. What do you think of the three-center rotation? It's very weird. That's the one thing that I did ask Alex Len about, and he was like, yeah, it is pretty unconventional. It's, I don't think there's another <laughs> team in the league that, and I'm not even saying, it's It's quite honestly, it's the center roulette thing. It, it's easy to jab at. I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, I jabbed at it last year when Scott Brooks went with three centers when he was trying to play Mahimi and Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner all in the in you know the same kinds of games and played them like 16 to 20 minutes and there were minutes restrictions in that case which which made things a little more complicated. 
but I, it was it was still a very weird thing to see. This is a little bit more intuitive, but like it's also just based on normal basketball convention. Like Mo Wagner was your starting center for what thirteen games, fourteen games, and then he just literally didn't play. And Alex Len, who probably I mean, Lopez gets the most night to night playing time of any of those three guys. Yeah. Alex Len, who's kind of on the back end, all of a sudden jumps into the starting lineup. And and they're they're kind of all the same level of player. I mean, I would be willing to argue that any of them was better than the other. Or I should say I, I would be willing to listen to an argument that any was better than the other. Uh, it's it's such a weird it's such a weird thing, that three center rotation. Yeah, I was going to say it is definitely I understand what you mean when you say it's it it feels more intuitive now because of the Wizards kind of having to scramble a little bit at that rotation. And it, it clearly makes sense where it's just like and Scott Brooks has kind of come out and said this, like Robin Lopez just like cannot play that many extended minutes in a row um, from game to game. Um, and I, I do think they would. Uh, he is very matchup dependent. I like to think that they would lean on him more. And I say that because I think he has good chemistry with Westbrook. And I think his style has the most impact on the identity of the team when they're playing well. I think they used Wagner really well when they needed to kind of shake things up. And that seemed to me more like Scott Brooks kind of throwing things at the wall. And it really stuck because they liked Mo's energy off the, you know, from the start when they were struggling, there with slow starts. But I think the way that Robin can not just, you know, be a, a good defensive center, but the way he can impact the offense too, when they need him to and connect with Russ and, and kind of make those consistent hook shots that we always make fun of. That's when I think of the Wizards starting center, I now think of Robin Lopez, even though I know logically in my mind, that's not really ever the case. Um, but he's the one to me that, that makes the most like impact in that kind of category, I guess. I, I wanted to ask you, while we did this too, because we we actually haven't really talked about this much. It's more just been like uh, us complaining about the ways of the world. Um, but this is this is you've covered the Wizards before. You've you've stood in for Candace before. You've helped out Candace before. But but this is your first year where you are like the full time Wizards beat writer for the Post. And this is a crazy year to have, be your first full time NBA beat writer. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> <How> so? <laughs> yeah, you couldn't guess how, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, so much of, I, I don't know if people on the outside realize how much being a beat writer is interacting with people and talking to people not during press conferences. You know, I think, I think the stuff that you see or that people on the outside see is, and that's not anyone's fault because that's, you know, what you see is press conferences and and all of that. And what you see is maybe quotes that you might get on the record, even if they're in one on ones and then you write or you tweet or you you put on a TV show or whatever. And that that's that's what you see. But that's the tip of the iceberg. I mean, so much of being on a beat, so much of, uh, you know, the stories that that you find and that you write or the anecdotes, uh, or whatever, maybe just a little piece of information that you learn. Oh, hey, the Wizards tweaked this really subtle thing in their defense, which you learned from talking to somebody with the Wizards who just mentioned it in a casual conversation. So much of that is is behind the scenes. It never sees the light of day and just has to do with building relationships and, 
you know, talking about the right things and getting to know people and, and being and just kind of consistently being there. Like when you're on a beat, people just kind of know you as like, yeah, that guy, he's always here. He's or she's always mm-hmm. here. And that's and that's it. And and we're never there anymore. So what what is it? I mean, you've been on beats before. You've just never been on the Wizards beat. What is what is the biggest challenge right now in like doing a beat writing job in your first year covering this team when you don't have those advantages of being able to walk right up to people and and talk to them about just like casual life things? Yeah, it's that. So I would say at first I thought it was going to be building relationships because like you said, like the way that you get to know the people we cover as non-basketball, you know, as actual human beings, which they are uh, sometimes, um, is by not talking to them exclusively when you have a story to write or an actual question to ask. Like that's ex- that's that's an exclusively transactional relationship. The way you build a non-transactional relationship is by like seeing whoever in the hallway and just like waving or being like, oh, cool shoes or like, oh my gosh, you brought your dog today. Like, wow, that's great. Let me you know, pet this animal. I don't know why that came out of my mouth, but Troy, Troy, whatever. Troy Brown stuff. Troy Brown yeah, brought oh, the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I'm just just daydreaming about Dex. Um, <laughs> but so that's been hard. But I, but I honestly think the the um, the weirdest thing this year has been the thing that that probably interests me most about the NBA, and I would kind of venture to guess interests a lot of NBA writers the most is it's been really hard to build an understanding of how an organization works. And it's hard to do that when you're coming in on the first year anyway. It's even more hard to do that when you're not seeing, okay, who are the front office people who are watching practice every day? Who's up in their office? Who are the ones who are, you know, how do these people interact with Tommy Shepard, the GM? How do they interact with Scott Brooks? Like who talks to who, who looks scared of who, who, you know, like things like that, where you just like, it's hard to have a fundamental understanding of, the team that you cover without actually being around the team in person. Like, especially since it's, it's not like we're interacting with those people on zoom, like the players, you kind of can get a sense of, I am finding that even though there are fewer stories, because like you said, those like little things that you pick up on after practice or whatever, there's just less chance to write the more creative, quirkier stories. But still we see these guys on zoom very often. I think they know a lot of our names and faces by now. Um, but from the organizational standpoint, it's not like we're jumping on with whatever assistant coach or whatever, you know, director of scouting or whatever on a zoom, like that stuff is really hard to see. And I think you have, have to have kind of that foundational understanding of the organization and the team you work for to really understand everything else from there. It kind of starts at the top to me, um, especially in this organization. And that I've found to be kind of the most challenging thing. And then going out from there, just learning the league, you know, it's like, it's really funny. We keep talking about how all the rookies like didn't have summer league and they didn't actually get to go to the draft. And it's like, I didn't get to go to any of those things either. (laughs) And, you know, from from what I understand, but like, those are the places where everybody in NBA media gathers, everybody from every front office gathers. A lot of agents are there. That's where you meet people. That's how you kind of gain your understanding of what this massive NBA ecosystem is like. And I definitely missed out on that. Um, I'm looking forward to it next year for sure. But it, it's been, it's been, I feel, I feel really weird reporting on, on some of this stuff sometimes just cause I'm like, well, yeah. I guess 
I will now call this agent who I've never met in my entire life and or talked to and be like, hey, tell me some information. Like, you know, that's been really weird. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I know what you mean. It's uh, it's not even that. I mean, it is that, but it's there's so much more to it. I mean, you know, people, people talk about reporting like, well, the most important thing with reporting is, you know, making sure you have sources. And that's an important thing. But really, the most important sources that you can have is your two eyes. And when you just when you see something happen, you're good. You saw it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't even mean for like finding scoops. It's just like knowing which assistant coaches when you get into the end of practice. We can't watch all of practice, but when the world is normal, we can watch the end. Knowing, you know, being able to walk into practice and seeing, oh, okay, so this player is working with this assistant. That's who they're working with. They have right. assistants who they exactly. focus with. That's how every NBA team in the world works. Mm-hmm. This guy's working with this assistant. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, I've noticed they've started to have a really good relationship. And then and then you, you know, you, you talk to to people about that relationship. Oh, you find they've gotten really close. Oh, there's a nice relationship there. Or, oh, they're working on this one thing to help their game or, or whatever. I mean, there, there's so many little intricacies that, that don't happen. And by the way, this isn't a complaint. They shouldn't happen. The the, the league should be as safe as it's being in this particular case. Uh, And uh, you know, I'm not even going to home games. So clearly I'm not trying to mingle with other people. I haven't seen another person in, in a year. So, so I'll keep it yeah. at that. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're not criticizing the league for not, you know, doing any of this stuff. No, we're, we're criticizing the world. Complaining. We're base complaining, which is literally all we do when we get on the phone with each other. Just you complain. know, here's here's your insight. What is it like to be a, a first time NBA reporter the pandemic year? It's a lot of complaining. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of complaining. complaining. Okay, uh, let's take a couple Twitter questions. For Ooh. I, I have I have a new segment. It's called taking Twitter questions in which I take Twitter really questions. bad name. We're still we're still workshopping the name. OK. Um, all right. Here's 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 one which I just enjoy. Um, this one is from Wiz Nation Brazil. And you would I think going to be about you would think it would be about Howell Neto. Yes. However, the question is, any chance of Otto Porter coming back to the district via, via a buyout? Okay, this is the second time I have been asked this on a podcast today. Otto Porter, how many burners do you have? <laughs> why, why are they Brazilian burners? Uh, I will say that from what I've been told, Otto Porter is not going to take a buyout. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just can't. It, it, where did this come from <laughs> other than Brazil? <laughs> like, yeah. 
I mean, the the Bulls the Bulls are not playing Otto really right now, and he hasn't yeah. been great for them, and he's making a lot of money. Um, and the Bulls are what like sixteen and twenty or something like that. I think the Bulls want to make the play in. I don't think the Bulls are trying to just. Every Eastern Conference team should want to make the play in, first of all. Yeah. I don't think they're trying to fall off and tank. And, um, you know, Porter Porter has not been great for them. And he makes a lot of money. His number is like 28-something this year. But that makes it really, really hard to trade for him. And, and I think some people think, okay, large money, final year of a deal, possible buyout candidate. He can go somewhere else. A lot of guys don't want to be buyout candidates. Because, I mean, first of all, you lose your bird rights. So the Bulls are going to have Porter's bird rights if he loses. Also, like, once I've heard some stuff about guys who are rumored to be buyout candidates now. And and some of them don't want to be buyout candidates because they're just like, it's too early in my career. Once I'm a buyout candidate, I'm a minimum guy. And I remember having a conversation with someone recently uh, where like Jeff Green was coming off a nice year, and somebody said to me, "This was someone in the league." Somebody said to me, "Like, why is why is Jeff Green getting a minimum contract again? Like, he was good last year. Why is he a minimum guy?" I was like, "Because he was a minimum guy last year." And once you're a minimum mm-hmm. guy, you're kind of just a minimum guy. Like, it kind of it it almost reflects real world salary negotiating in that sense, where it's like when if you or I were to talk about a new job we would negotiate off of the salary we currently have, you know? And so it, it makes it, it makes it hard for a guy who's at 28 and is still in his twenties to be like, nah, I'm going to be the minimum guy now when maybe he could, I mean, Otto Porter would not, will not get the minimum after this year. I don't think, I, you know, mm-hmm. he'd get the taxpayer mid level or something. I haven't asked people what his market would be. Um, and I'm sure he just doesn't want to give back money. I don't know what's in it for him to give back money. So, um, you know, it's not like he's been and, a world beater who's going to take somebody to a championship in the buyout market, you know? And that's why I say, like, where is this coming from? Because I don't I don't think anybody has given any indication that that's how Otto Porter thinks of himself or, like, thinks of this season with the Bulls, honestly. Um, I do – because it's not getting an Otto Porter type – person is not at all like a weird thing for the wizards it was more on the auto side not on the wizard side like the wizard the wizards could you know like everybody they're kind of saturated with guards right now but they absolutely could make use of kind of like a veteran wing guy um to play at the three to play behind brad if you know brad's gonna be out at ever again or kind of dealing with the naggling niggling stuff that he's had twice now this season like that's not crazy for the wizards it's more like you said it's like it's not good to be kind of tagged a, a buyout, dude. No, no, it's not. And I, I understand why a player wouldn't want to be that. And there are so many buyout candidates in the league right now. Mm-hmm. There's so many. There's so many guys who either are sitting out or were Blake Griffin and did sit out. And it's just there are other ones. Um, all right, other one, and then and then Everyone's we'll wrap keeping up. An eye on their bottom line this year. Yeah, and then all right. This one is from Deuce. Uh, Will uh, Bradley Beal's son, Deuce Beal? No, Jason Tatum's son, Deuce Tatum. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's really good with computers. Uh, will the Wizards make a move before the trade deadline? Before the trade deadline? Well, they're not making one after. Yeah. Well, I mean, as opposed to like, will the Wizards make a move in the next ten days? Yeah, I mean, yeah, 
I think they will. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think like will. you said, especially since there's one, it's still, you know, you're under the organizational mandate. We're still gunning for the playoff spot. Um, they have needs that could be kind of filled with not too much of a stretch of the imagination or a stretch of the pocketbook. Um, and they should be active. They're in the they're in the hunt still for sure. And so I think, yeah, I think they will. Yeah, I don't know what kind of move it's going to be. My guess is it will be something. It's not going to be anything huge. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to I don't think across the league they're going to be blockbuster moves made. The Brooklyn Nets already did all of those for the season. And I just don't think like I was saying, I don't think there's there's money flowing back and forth like that other than the stuff that we've already seen. And even the Blake Griffin move, that wasn't like crazy money or anything like that. But yeah, I'm not expecting a a wild trade deadline. Me neither. I think I think P.J. Tucker, I think P.J. Tucker is going to get moved. What about uh, Drummond? I think Drummond is going to end in a buyout. Mm, yeah. I, I don't think he's going to end up getting moved. That's my guess. Mm. I assume LaMarcus Aldridge is going to end in a buyout. Yeah. But from talking to people in the league, they say the Spurs are very confident they're going to be able to find deals for him. So I don't know. I mean, what's weird is that I, I feel like everybody assumes Drummond is going to end in a buyout. And a lot of people have, have said that Aldridge is going to like, there's a pretty realistic chance Aldridge ends in a trade and not a buyout. But if you're offering a package for Aldridge, I mean, Aldridge and Drummond only make a 4 million difference. It's 24 to 28 in terms of salary. Like you can probably offer Mm -hmm. an Aldridge package for Andre Drummond and just get Andre Drummond. And a lot of the teams that would want Aldridge would want Drummond. So it's a, it's a weird juxtaposition. I don't know why that is, but so I, I lean, I still lean just based on, you know, how these things tend to work out and the way that Aldridge has played this year, I lean towards him being a buyout, but I don't know. There are a lot of people who know what they're talking about, who who think that a trade is very possible with him. Um, I think the OKC guys are going to get traded. I just, yeah, I feel like OKC is sitting on a bunch of deals. I think they've got offers. And so I don't know if it's going to be, I think Horford will stay, but I think Ariza, I, I bet you they find a spot for Ariza. I just, it would be very un thunder like to waste an expiring veteran and not get something back for him like they're always trying to recoup assets for guys uh, that's how i feel about the spurs honestly with aldridge that's plausible it's just hard be something. yeah it's just hard the spurs never make trades it's a weird spurs thing yeah well it's because they usually they, most of the time they don't need to <laughs> like they draft so well and they acquire just like exactly the type of guys that they usually want. You know, even when they're kind of like a, a ragtag group of young, nobody issues, no, no shots to Lonnie, but um, yeah, that's, that makes sense to me from the Spurs point of view. Yeah. I mean, I think there'll be some movement, but nothing huge. I don't know what the wizards will, what the wizards will do. I think it'll be something like, like no, nothing that that is going to get the uh, you know lead sports center with, but but I have a feeling they're going to do something that that will shore up something. They have they have too many holes and and they still want to get into the play in tournament, and they have mm-hmm. too many holes, whether it's their three point shooting or the perimeter defense or the you know bas- basically um, basically everything except for playmaking. They could mm-hmm. they could justify upgrading yeah. so. 
And they've, they've shown they can be creative with limited money available before, too. I definitely have faith in the front office to find workarounds and put people together and things like that, for sure. Yeah. You got time for you got time for one more Twitter question? For you? Always. Wow. All right. This one's from Kike uh, RG. Okay. Uh, do you think the Wizards will use their disabled player exception this season in the buyout market mm-hmm. with their mm-hmm. current big man situation? So before we answer, I'm just going to explain disabled player exception for listeners who might not have memorized Larry Kuhn's uh, salary <laughs> salary cap FAQ. Uh, so what happens is the Wizards applied for a roster exception after Thomas Bryant got hurt. Thomas Bryant makes uh, $8.3 million this year. So they are allowed to sign somebody on a one-year deal for up to half of that amount. So it's about $4.17 million. We'll call it mm-hmm. 4.2. They're allowed to sign somebody up to 4.2, or they can trade for somebody who's on the last year of their deal uh, for up to that salary as well. Uh, technically up to that salary plus $100,000. Um, so... They can use that to get somebody. They can use that to sign someone on the buyout market. They can use it as like a trade exception where they're over the salary cap and they just absorb in a salary without having to match salaries on it. Uh, They used a a disabled player exception very creatively a couple of years ago in the Markeith Morris trade where they made a trade matching salaries and then they absorbed Wes Johnson into the trade exception, which created a or into the disabled player exception, which created a trade exception which I'm sure is confusing 98% of my listeners right now. But all you need to know is they created a trade exception with that trade, which allowed them to get Davis Bertans for free. So they were stringing along assets and it was, it was very clever trade constructing. Um, There are, there are weird ways you can manipulate the, the salary cap rules by using this exception. Um, It would be hard for them to get a buyout guy. I'll say like, Losing teams normally don't get buyout guys. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see them? I mean, they're also close to the luxury tax, so they're not really, going into the luxury tax. Really, really close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like less than a mil. So they're not going into the tax. Yeah. So they got to clear room with a corresponding move if they want to sign somebody for like three million dollars. So you know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Anything to add? Um, who do you think is the third best player on this team? Oh my God. I love that question. Okay. I've been thinking about this a lot. I love that question. The third best player is rotating. It's a a sneakily. No, you have to pick one. All right. That's the rule. It's a really, really like depressingly tough question. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say Davis Bertans. Cause he, he has wow. his, he has the highest highs. He can, hmm. he can, he is capable of impacting a game in a way that none of the other candidates are. If Thomas Bryant were healthy, I'd say Thomas Bryant. Yeah, that's um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but Bertans is capable of, of impacting a game in a way that other people, people are not and and look there's an argument that russell westbrook is not the automatic number two because he's just been so inefficient this year uh on a night-to-night basis um i would put him at the number two because again he's capable of impacting a game in a way Hmm. that the other people aren't but i would i don't know i think i'd say bertans because 
He can go off for seven threes and warp a defense. And we've seen him win them games. How many other guys have won them games this year? Um, nobody else. Yeah, who would you say? Uh, see, so I was going for who who can do the most night. Like I, I think this team needs flexibility. I like your. My heart wants to say Rui. My head knows that that's like not at all the case. <laughs> but other than other than Thomas Bryant. I have no, I have no like good answers, which no, is why you got to You got to answer it now. You made me answer. You got to answer. I know. Yeah, I know. So my I, would, podcast. I, would say, I would say really, because I think when his defense is on and can, not even on, but just like better than the average, better than the mean, um, I think he can impact a game like you're talking about, but Bertans, nobody, nobody kind of like lifts them like Bertans does with a well-timed, just like absolute bomb from, three feet in from half court. So I would, I would agree with you on that, but he's been so shaky this season that it's like, I don't even, he honestly isn't even in like my top four answers for that anymore. Yeah. He's been so shaky. I would love to say he's, he's the one I want most of all to sit down with after this season and talk to for like 90 minutes and just be like, tell me how your year has been like for you. Cause there it's, I, I have to think that there's, um, some stories there. Yeah. And look, he just signed for five years. Like, yeah, that's got a way on you. You know, when, yeah. when you come out, you get off to that ridiculously slow start. You just signed the big contract like that. That weighs on a guy. I get why Wizards fans would be frustrated with it, but that's also why that weighs on somebody. These are competitive people, you know? And I think I think Davis is is actually very thoughtful about that too. I think he's pretty forthcoming about his feelings on that stuff, and I think he like reflects on that things on things like that a lot. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's totally like that. Um, yeah, I mean, the five years is it's a lot of years. It's a lot of years. It's a lot a lot of years. Like when you give him five years, you need him to be what. Joe Harris has been in Brooklyn. Yeah. And that's what he was last year. You know, and he, he hasn't been that what's, what's weird is he has the, he had this streak of two consecutive games with at least two consecutive games where he hit multiple threes. It was yeah. the longest streak of his career. Yeah. Um, and it, it just snapped again in the Philadelphia game where he hit one. And it was Chase Hughes who pointed that out first that, it was the longest streak of his career hitting multiple threes. And it's just weird because he has obviously shot so much better over the last month or so. But mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it just feel like a different impact than it did yeah. last year. And and part of why I say I really want to sit down and talk to him is because when you are a shooter like he is and when you are paid for five years, like when that is your really like whole entire value, that's that's got to do an absolute number on your mind. Like when you say it weighs on you, like from the organizational standpoint, for sure. But like, I wonder if he's just like going nuts out there every single time he shoots the basket, or if he's actually able to clear his mind and just be like, I know how to do this. I can hit a three. I can do like, I really wonder what's, what's going on from that point of view for sure. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Cause that's, that's what it's weighing. I talked about it weighs on you. Like he's a, he got paid for one skill. Yep. You know, for as, as many times as Scott Brooks, 
Yeah. For as many times as Scott Brooks is going to say he's not just a shooter, he got paid to be a shooter. That is that is why he got paid. Uh, it's not like he's been a bad shooter. He's 38 from three on a really high volume. That's a that's a good mm-hmm. shooter. Uh, mm-hmm. He takes ridiculously he hard shots. Arms shooter. Yeah. Yeah. Last year he was one of the five best three point shooters in the NBA, and yeah. this year he hasn't been that, and he got paid like that. And it's yeah, I'm with you. That's got to that's hard on a guy. That's hard on a guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ava, you're you're doing great work on the beat. I will say, even though you're my competition, that my readers should check out all of your work. Um, you got anything to to plug to the readers before or the listeners before we um, sign off? Listen, if you miss a game, I'm I'm covering all of them. That's really all we got time for at a daily newspaper nowadays. Fred, did you realize that this? So this Friday and Saturday, we have the Wizards have no games. We have no games to cover to for back to back. That is the last time this regular season that there will be two games, two days in a row without a game. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I, first of all, I'm sorry because that's a, a tough realization personally. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? Every other day from next week, starting next week, every other day there's a game. So May 16th. Wow. That is yeah. exhausting. That's two months. I mean, yeah, Friday, so. Friday is March 19th. That's literally two months where they either play on yep. consecutive days or every other day. Yep. So, you know, keep keep an eye out on uh, post sports because there will be so much game coverage there. <laughs> <laughs> That's my. <laughs> and you can also while you're checking things out, you can subscribe to The Athletic. If you want, oh yeah. Uh, oh if you God. want, uh, you want to get a great rate, only three ninety nine a month. You can go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark, and that's going to get you a full subscription to everything, everything you want at the athletic. So it's it's not just going to get you your wizards coverage. It's going to get you everything, full NBA coverage and WNBA and MLB and NFL and whatever else you want to read on that we've got. You will have access to. Uh, you can also listen to this podcast ad free over at the athletic app as well. If, if you don't want to deal with me reading about, you know, Lord knows what the ad of the week is. Uh, you can check that out. So go to the athletic.com slash wizards after dark, and you can sign up for three ninety nine a month over there. You can head on to iTunes. Uh, you can give us a review. If you enjoy the podcast, you can leave a written review or give five stars. That stuff helps a lot more than you might realize. I, I, I don't really understand how I always say iTunes. It's really Apple podcasts. Uh, I don't really understand how that works. I'm, I'm even misidentifying the app, but it, it, it does help. So if you enjoy the podcast, leave a review, give five stars. That's always super helpful. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. If you're just randomly listening to this episode, uh, you know, you can find Wizards After Dark wherever you listen to podcasts regularly. I'll be back with another episode uh, probably later sometime this week. And the trade deadline is in 10 days from now, March 25th. So I'm going to be talking a lot of trade deadline stuff leading up to it. So I'm sure I'll be doing at least one trade deadline episode and, and probably a couple where we touch on trade stuff. And obviously we did some of that today. I'll be back later this week. I'll talk to you guys then.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.